0: For February, we wanted to share with you some of our favorite apologists and theologians, and so we invited them to be on the show and to be guests here so that you could hear firsthand what they're doing and hear what their expertise is. And so we're really excited about this series and these upcoming interviews. Yeah, it's really important to sit down and uh, listen to what some of what these other intellectuals have to say. They're pretty smart. And like we said before, we've learned a lot from some of these guys. So definitely. So we hope you enjoy this interview of Jordan Francis from Real Talk.
1: This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, an apologetics podcast to help equip Christians to engage the culture through biblical, critical thinking.
0: Your hosts for this podcast are Robbie Lashua and Tyler Hurley. Robbie is pastor of apologetics at Desert Springs Community Church, as well as professor of apologetics, worldview, and ethics at Mission Bible Institute. He is a graduate of Phoenix Seminary, as well as a graduate of the Master's in Christian apologetics program at Biola University. Tyler is currently earning his undergraduate degree in theology at Grand Canyon University and currently serves as an apologetics intern at Desert Springs Community Church. Hello, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm Robbie Lashway, your host for today, and uh, continuing on our series of having some really excellent apologists, some really awesome guys in ministry here for the month of February. We have another guest speaker today, uh, my good friend Jordan Francis, who is with Real Talk Ministries. Uh, Jordan, thanks so much for being with us today.
1: Thanks for having me, man.
0: Yeah, no problem. So um, we always start off the show with a coffee tip. And um, what we've been doing for this month is instead of giving coffee tips, we've been grilling our uh, our um, guests and asking if you like coffee. So, Jordan, let me ask you a really important question. Do you like coffee?
1: I mean, is the sky blue? Of course. Kind <laughs> yes. Of <question> is that.
0: <laughs> All right. I'm sure our listeners are happy to hear that. We have had some guests who don't like coffee. Um, and we're still going to, yeah, air- you
1: should, uh, excommunicate them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we did question their salvation and things of that nature, but we still had them on the show exactly. and they still had some good stuff to say, <laughs> but all right. Well, Jordan, if you can pick, what is the kind of coffee, what's your go-to this time of year right now? If you were at a coffee shop, what would you be having?
1: Ooh, Well, it's starting to cool. Well, it's cool in Arizona right now. So I'm kind of torn. My drink of choice is always a vanilla latte. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me why, but I judge the quality of a coffee shop based on its vanilla latte. My favorite latte right now is press coffee. Shout Mm -hmm. out to press. But if I wasn't going to do that, I would definitely probably just get a nice warm black coffee, uh, depending on what kind of roast they have or where they have it from. I'm really a fan of uh, Ethiopian and Ugandan Mm -hmm. roast right now. So, so, yeah.
0: That sounds awesome, man. Yeah, I I agree with you. If if a place can make a good vanilla latte, because that's like a simple drink, right? and that's what you're after. Is mm-hmm. Can you just do the classics well? Then you know that probably everything they do is really good. But yeah, I'm with you. Man. Ethiopian roast uh, coffee is so, so good. My mom actually, a few years ago, she went to Ethiopia with some of her friends, and she brought me back some uh, unroasted Ethiopian coffee beans, and it had like wow. instructions on how they roasted over there, because they always have like this coffee ceremony before they drink it. And so she gave me that's instructions crazy. on how to, in, in a pan roast it and when it's done and yeah it was awesome man. so so good so i'm with you on the ethiopian roast well good to know that you drink coffee good to know that you're a christian that's that's amazing (laughs) so jordan um both of those
1: things are the same thing
0: yeah yeah sometimes they're simultaneous So, hey, yep. what we're trying to do with this uh, this month of shows here on Christ, Culture & Coffee is we want to expose people to what other apologists are doing out there and um, what other ministries are going on. We just want people to have more uh, references in their life and hear how God is using apologetics uh, to reach the world for Him. So you are part of a really cool ministry called Real Talk. Can you explain to us what Real Talk is and what it does?
1: Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um... I think the best way I can explain it is to tell a story. Uh, just last week, <clears throat> we were on a campus um, in a lower socio socioeconomic neighborhood in our part of the city, and um, we were having a conversation. That, the The week conversation was about abortion, mm-hmm. and so having a conversation with a group or a group of high schoolers on campus, and this one girl, as we you know, are diving into the conversation of well, what is abortion? Is it murder? Is it not? All those different types of things. Um, She sits and she says, man, I don't know how I feel about this because I grew up without both my parents and I almost feel like it would be better for me not to exist and for me to have been aborted than to live and go through the things that I've been through. Oh, man. And so then she looked at me and she said, and I'm so grateful that you guys do what you do because I don't have anywhere else to talk about these things. And so... Um, I think that's a great summation of what we do. And obviously, we got to dive into the reality of how life is precious and how uh, it's interesting that, you know, um, the same culture, because the students were talking about how pressured they feel um, to have sex. The same culture that's pressing you to have sex is also pressing you to have abortions. And neither of those things are um, wholesome and healthy for you as a human being to be engaging in promiscuity and then to be engaging in, you know, aborting children. And so um, just getting to share that life is precious and that, you know, also grace, like if you've made a mistake like this, because there are literally, uh, there was a student who came up to me afterwards and told me that his his girlfriend last year had actually aborted his child and they had broken up as a consequence of it. And so um, he was really burdened and hurt by the conversation, and so I got to engage with him really in a really cool way, a really cool way as well. But yeah, um, we're creating spaces on campus where students can come and talk about things that really uh, matter to them, the things that are really happening in their lives right now, and they have a safe space to share however they want, as long as it's respectful of other people in the room. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian, Buddhist, atheist, Muslim. It doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter what you believe. You can come and you can share. And at the end of the conversation, we always tie it together with Christian worldview. So here's how we as Christians process this issue. Um, and so we just sow seeds. And a lot of times, you know, based on what the students are saying in the room, it's an, uh, we have to give an apologetic on why, you know, the Christian perspective is correct and why they should start thinking about following jesus and not following the things that they're following and And so yeah um it's kind of a snapshot kind of a snapshot so
0: so, and you say you're doing this in public high schools right how many high schools are you guys in
1: um i think we're right now close to or right at the number of 10 there's a number that we're like in the process of relaunching or starting from fresh Mm -hmm. and so um yeah, we're slowly making progress in the Valley and uh, getting into these public high schools and having these conversations.
0: That is awesome. So you you have clubs. Is is this like a once a week thing where you meet in public high schools or is it once a day? How does that work?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once a week we go on campus, we bring pizza. You know, students love free food, obviously. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, you know, we might we might bring some gift cards to give away and just different little things like that. But really the centerpiece of what we do is that deep, meaningful conversation. We feel like there's not enough spaces for students to have that. I feel like in many cases, some of our ministries or some of the the ministry that we do, particularly to high school students, can come across as, you know, we believe all they want to do is play games. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't think that's necessarily true at all. I think they do want space to really process and really ask questions and to be heard and to be valued. And then To also listen and to also learn and also grow and build relationships, and so yeah, we do that weekly um, in a club form. So we have you know students that start the club, um, and we always partner a club with a local church. And so a local church down the street helps start the club with students that go to that school. They find a teacher. The teacher's on board. She loves what we're doing, Um, and then yeah, basically what happens is we have these conversations. The youth pastor may come or some of his interns, and they're building trust and building relationships with kids, just being involved in the conversation. And then, as kids kind of figure out that Jesus is relevant, that the Bible is relevant, and that it has more to say to them than they ever thought it could, they decide they want to check a church out. Well, you know, Pastor so and so has been coming for the past three months bringing pizza, and I know him and I trust him, so I'm going to check his youth group out. And so it becomes an easy, smooth transition from You know, a kid who's far from God to a kid who starts to become more open to the reality of who God is. He decides he wants to check it out and he's already got a relationship with a pastor that he trusts. So he just makes the easy transition to the church down the street. And um, yeah, cool things start to happen.
0: Man, that is awesome. What a cool ministry. And this is this is astounding, you know, with all the talk about, um, I don't know lately if you've heard where the president was, you know, wanting to reinstate like Bible studies in school. And, you know, there's always been so much about, you know, let's take prayer out of school or this or that. And you guys just step into the space to say, yeah, we can be a Christian uh, presence on campus, but what we can do is we can uh, allow space for children or not children, for students to dialogue about things, to ask questions, to, to vocalize what they think instead of just being told what to think. And then through that, one of the things I think is phenomenal, obviously you're reaching kids with truth and good apologetics, but you're also um, modeling for them what it looks like to have civil discourse, right? To be able to talk about stuff and not to fly off the handle. You said they need to be respectful even if you disagree. And man, I, I wish more adults could engage in groups like that where they could verbalize their opinion and sure. people to respect them even if they disagree with their opinion.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's I think awesome, we're man. in an age where, you know, political correctness and people just can't seem to have that that conversation like you're talking about. And so if we can kind of foster that among teenagers, and you know, this generation's feeling more disconnected than ever. And so um if we can help foster that connection as well, obviously, we want to bring kids to Christ, bring good, solid values into students' lives so that they can become healthy, wholesome, contributing members to society, right? Yes.
0: Absolutely, man. That's awesome. So, because you are on the front lines, I mean, you're talking with students weekly. Um, I mean, and, and I know that, uh, you know, um, more than just with Real Talk, you're also a youth pastor and a young adult pastor. And so, with talking with so many students and being on the front lines of this, this isn't, you know, something you're, you're, pursuing academically um you you are uh, boots on the ground with students you know what they think you know what they're dealing with you know what they're saying and so because you're such a valuable resource in that can you share with us what are some common objections that students have to christianity
1: hmm. yeah i think the most common objection right now that i've experienced in um you know, basically objecting to Christianity. It would be kind of uh, more the relativism or more of um, taking parts of Christianity and kind of molding it into this kind of new religious thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm not really, it's kind of interesting actually because on the campuses that we're on and we're on campuses all over the city in different spaces. So kids who are from different backgrounds, different colors, different creeds, different ethnicities, you know, immigrated or not immigrated. There, there doesn't seem to be this outright rejection that we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. The, for what we see for the most part is kids that are open to the idea of Jesus, but like they've kind of fixed it together with all this other stuff, okay. right? That like is kind of more uh, new agey or more centered around, you know, Jesus wants me to just be happy and to make decisions that make me happy. Or okay. yeah, Jesus was a great teacher and, you know, whatever else. So we see a lot of that. And so in our, in my experience, there seems to be a lot of like kind of pulling those ideas off of the cross, if you will, and then helping them see the cross for what it really is. Okay. And helping them then to actually make a decision on like, okay, this is who Jesus really is. And I need to decide whether I'm going to really follow this Jesus or not. Um, I think a great example of this is uh, there's a girl that I have relationship with. She's uh, a non-binary or she identifies as non-binary. She's a a high school student. She identifies as non-binary. And um, we were having conversation about this. And as we kind of drilled down her, uh, the root of it, or at least in the conversation we had at that point was, hey, ultimately, I believe that as long as I believe in Jesus, everything else I do is all good. Like, so if I believe in God, my sexuality doesn't matter. Uh, what I do doesn't matter in the body. How I live my life does not matter. I just have to believe. And so I had to take her back and say, no, there's more to it than that. Right. God created all things and he calls all things good. And also in the scriptures, it talks about how God is going to judge us for the deeds that we do in the body. And so helping her understand like how she lives her life actually matters. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, Okay that makes a lot of sense that actually does impact my sexuality right yeah and so i think that yeah some of these kids have made the cross really small and so we're trying to make it really big so that they realize like if i'm gonna follow jesus yeah this requires my whole life so yeah it's kind of interesting i mean the weirdest objection the weirdest objection i've heard uh, to like jesus is that um he was an alien. He wasn't God. So that's probably the most interesting conversation I've had yeah. over the past six months with a student. He told me Jesus was an alien. So that would probably be the most outlandish thing that I've, that I've heard so wow. far.
0: Interesting. Dealing with students is always interesting, and and it's it's kind of. It, it's mind-boggling to think about where do they pick this stuff up, right? Are they just are they creating it in their own mind? Is I mean, you know, if I think it, it becomes true in reality. Um, you know, what what kind of influences their parents have? What kind of influences their culture have? All of those things come together. Um, but to be able to dissect it and to be able to have a good enough relationship with them, where you can share truth and they. Know you care about them, so they they listen to you, man. That's just awesome. That's what all of us need to be doing is building relationships so that people will hear what we have to say. I think that's Definitely, great. Definitely, I agree. So, um, with uh, man, with, with that one girl you said who who uh, identifies as non-binary, uh. It's interesting because like what she's saying sounds so much like Gnosticism, right? Like the spiritual world is good, yep. physical world bad. And then, you know, with the Gnostics, there was two approaches. There was the ascetic approach where, well, I'm just going to, you know, not eat anything, not indulge the flesh. And then there was the hedonistic approach mm-hmm. where because the body doesn't matter, I can do whatever I want. And that kind of sounds like where where she's at is, is just this kind of Gnostic idea. I've got the secret knowledge and life doesn't matter I can do whatever I want with my sexuality with my body with my time um, and you guys are trying to bring it back to say no all of life is sacred right all of life matters to God it's not you can't you can't uh, split it or compartmentalize it to spiritual and physical
1: yeah definitely and I think part of it too is um, there's a lot of kids out there that have experienced trauma mm. and I think um, trauma shapes them like I know this girl in particular she's been through quite a lot in her life. And I think her, I think it's kind of shaped out of, as I've heard more of a story out of a desire to fit in. Mm-hmm. She's tried to change her identity to be something else. Um, and so, yeah, I think that there's a lot of kids out there that are experiencing trauma and then that trauma shapes them in a particular direction and perhaps they don't even realize it. And they've never had somebody sit down and take the time to hear their story and really get to know them and really ask the questions of, well, why do you believe that? Why are you the way that you are? What is it that was the the moment in your life that made you believe that this was true, you know? And so um, as we're having these conversations with kids and getting to know them, we're finding that, um, yeah, it's a really cool opportunity to to minister and to, to have these kids' minds untangled, right? Like for me, apologetics isn't just me giving a good argument. But in a sense, it's spiritual warfare, right? Like I'm bringing truth into a situation and I'm praying that God, the Holy Spirit, uses that truth to untangle that person's mind and remove the confusion and remove the disillusionment and remove the pain and the heart of whatever it is that they're holding on to so that they can see Jesus rightly and respond to him. And so, um, so yeah, man, it's a lot of fun.
0: That is, man. That's so awesome. I love what you guys are doing. So what are um, some of the the things that you've seen, like what, what apologetics arguments? Because this is a danger in apologetics, I think, is we, we study so much, right? And we, and we we prepare ourselves with all different kinds of arguments, all different kinds of tools in our tool belt. Um, and a problem I found in my own life, and I've seen in other apologists' life, is a lot of times we, um, we answer questions that people aren't asking, <laughs> right? We're like, we've, we've prepared, we're ready, and we just throw up concepts or truth on people, and they go, that's not even what I was asking you. Um, <laughs> recently, this uh, this actually happened to me um, with with a student at, at, a, at a camp, and, and he came up to me and he asked me a question, And man, I totally spaced it. I thought he was asking about the argument I was making. And so I launch into like a 10 minute, you know, argument and I'm explaining things to him and I finally shut up and I stop and I go, does that make sense? And he goes, no, I didn't, I didn't mean like, what is your argument for that? I understand that. I meant, what book did you get it from? He's like, he was just looking for a resource, right? And if I would have just stopped to listen Mm -hmm. and launch into my huge argument, then um, I would have. So anyway. Uh, I think a lot of times we're answering questions people aren't asking. And so what what have you found are some good arguments? What is some good method to reaching students with truth?
1: Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, obviously I highly respect guys like you who have studied and understand a lot of theological and apologetic arguments. Uh, and you know, I like that too. Obviously, that's why yeah. we like hanging out. Yes. But I think, I think a part, a, a thing that I've learned to add to that maybe um, is something called guided discovery. And so, I was a soccer coach for a while, and so it's kind of a, a technique that they teach you in coaching. So there's um, there's basically commands so you tell somebody what to do, and then you move into this space where it's called guided discovery. Uh-huh. And in guided discovery, you ask questions that lead that person. To the answer, right, and so um, a lot of times, and that, it's kind of what real talk is shaped around. And so when I'm having these conversations with students, like I told you, when I had this conversation with the girl, for example, um, you know the the whole thing started. Hey, uh, it's really hard being LGBTQ and Christian. Okay, cool. What does that mean? Explain it to me. I don't understand. So she's explaining it to me, and I said, okay, which which one do you think's bigger? Is Christianity bigger, or is lgbtq bigger mm-hmm. well i think they're the same okay let me tell you why i think they're not the same one is something you do one is who you are mm-hmm. okay so she she kind of kind of clicked in her mind so she never thought about that before so it's like okay what do you think about that yeah that makes a lot of sense you know i've never thought about it that way I was, I was like well how is it putting your identity in lgbtqia it's hard I mean, before she said she was non-binary, she actually said she was a trans transgender. So she changed her identity a few times in, the, in that couple of week period. Wow, okay. So my response was, why don't you try putting your identity in Christ instead of your identity in your sexuality and then we'll figure that out later. Hmm. She was like, that's a good idea, right? And then she came out with, well, ultimately I believe what I do on this earth doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Now we're really at what we need to talk about, right? <laughs> yeah. But I didn't get there by throwing out a bunch of Arguments. I got out, I got there by asking her questions and listening to her responses, which then gave me the ability to give an answer that got to the heart of the matter, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm not Jesus, so I can't just look at somebody and tell them their whole life story unless the Holy Spirit decides he wants to do that. Mm-hmm. But what I can do is asking questions. And as I listen, I can lead them in a particular direction or the direction that I think the conversation needs to go in. And that person actually feels like, they're in control, or they're sharing and leading in the conversation with you, so they're much more open, much more honest, uh, and and they feel like much more valued, and that they're contributing to the conversation. And ultimately, they are, but they're just giving you the fodder that you need to actually answer their question, right? Mm-hmm. Like instead of you shooting a shotgun and hoping that you hit them, you're actually shooting a rifle, right? And it's very accurate, and you get into the heart of the
0: That's And so, so wise, for me, yeah.
1: when it comes to Yeah. When it comes to arguments and conversations, you know, I mean, there are the common ones that we use, right? Obviously kids are still probably Jesus among many gods. Is the Bible relevant to me? You know, do I believe in, you know, a a boat that carried a bunch of animals or a a whale that, you know, swallowed a, a dude? Do I believe in any of that? Like, you know, those things are commonly held conversations, but how I approach those conversations is through that guided discovery um, approach. And that really helps me get to the heart of the matter with kids and actually truly answer their questions.
0: Dude, I think that's so great. It's so wise, because if you do want to get to the heart of the matter, you have to ask questions, right? And if, if our listeners are out there, if, if you want to get good at having apologetics conversations, you've got to ask questions. You've got to rightly assess the problem. And that's what you did with this girl, right? She comes out with this statement, and then you're, you're peeling back the layers, right? You're peeling back the onion layers to get to, okay, what's really going on down at the root of this thing? Um, and the only way to access that is through asking questions. Otherwise, you, you could have the best arguments in the world, but if they're not answering the question she She's asking; it's just a waste of time, uh, and she doesn't want to hear from you again because you're boring her, <laughs> and you're and you're wasting her your time as well. So that's awesome wisdom, man. Yeah, asking questions. And what did you call that technique that you that you did as a soccer coach too? What do you call it?
1: It's called guided discovery. Guided so if discovery. I, you know, I'm trying. To, yeah, I'm trying to teach a kid a skill, and he does it wrong. Instead of telling him why he did it wrong, ask him. And see if he knows the answer. And then as if he doesn't, I can guide him. A lot of times, interestingly enough, kids actually have pretty interesting or good answers if you let them bring them up mm-hmm. um, or they'll just they'll point blank tell you where they're crazy. Right. So you can speak to that. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it, it, it it's a good technique.
0: That's awesome, man. I love that. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be thinking about that and how I can employ that with conversations I have with people while I'm out trying to love on them and share truth with them. That's, that's really cool. Hey, so changing the subject, um, personally for you, um, what has apologetics meant to you and how has the study of apologetics deepened your faith?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say it's deepened my faith tremendously. Um, and I'll I'll point to one thing in particular because it's just it's fresh in my memory. Uh, there are a lot of things throughout the years that I've been a Christian. I've been a Christian for uh, nine years now, and um, it's been an amazing journey. But one of the most recent things has been um, just slavery. So obviously I'm black. I'm I'm originally from England, mm-hmm. and obviously a part of my my um, ethnicity's history is you know slavery, mm-hmm. and so wrestling with the reality of um, slavery in the scriptures slavery in the new testament slavery in the old testament uh, reading um paul coping stuff on is god a moral monster mm-hmm. uh did god did god command genocide um his his works on that was extremely helpful in me wrapping my mind around what was going on in the old testament and how god was dealing with his people and how uh profoundly caring and loving god was actually being and because of my cultural geographical uh, and while well, cultural and geographical just distance to the text, I just didn't understand certain things and I was viewing it through a lens that wasn't the correct lens. And so having somebody who'd taken the time to really defend the faith in that space really was transformative for me and gave me a sense of comfort about the scriptures that I didn't have, you know what I'm saying? And then also being able to then communicate that to other brothers and sisters in Christ who are black and helping them understand is a profound tool to have in my back pocket as well, and so that's just an example of how apologetics have been um, extremely helpful and transformative for me. You know, like um, ever since I've been a believer, I've been watching you know the guys that everybody watches, Ravi and uh, Frank Turk, and all those kind of guys. And so, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think um, it's profoundly deepened my faith and given me a confidence in the scriptures. That I probably wouldn't have if I hadn't dived into those writings by those particular apologists.
0: Well, and that's such an important um, um, thing that you're bringing up here is that you you had some uncomfortability with God's Word. You, you're reading about slaves in the Old Testament, slaves in the New Testament, and you're um, and all of us do this, right? We we only know what we know, and so you're you're putting your your um, cultural situation and and you know more modern day slavery into the text. Um, and that can really, I mean, for all of us, that can really color the way that we look at God, right? Is he cool with this? Is Does he think this is fine, that other humans can own other humans? Um, which we would, we just are repulsed by that idea, and it seems to go against other scriptures. But w- what was awesome, Jordan, mm-hmm. is you didn't just, um, you didn't let that thought just uh, fester. You went and sought out answers to it. And I think that that is so important for us as Christians is when we're having concerns, we have questions that are going unanswered. We need to go out and look for answers. And, and the truth of it is is I, I am not smart enough to think of original thoughts. I'm not smart enough to think up um, new arguments against Christianity. I'm not smart enough to have new concerns that no Christian has had for the last 2,000 years, right? I'm not. Definitely. So so with that, whenever, whenever we have these questions, we have these doubts, we have these concerns, I'm pretty sure other people have had these before. And in fact, I'm pretty sure there's been other people who've had them who figured out answers to them. And if we just go look, we find really great, adequate answers from other brothers and sisters who've struggled with these same things. Uh, and that, to me, is such a comfort that... I'm not, you know, out here on an island by myself with my concerns, but others have thought about this too and thought well about it and and sought answers from scripture and from the Lord and through, you know, reasoning. Um and that we can we can get to a place like you said where there's comfort in No, I I get what was going on. I understand it. I you know, my my ideas about it weren't exactly on point. And uh, yeah, I I just think when we're having those times of doubt, we've got to go seek out answers. And when people don't, that's when worry and anxiety sets in.
1: Definitely agree. Definitely agree. I think um, if Jesus is the Logos, right, if he he is what the scripture says he is, uh, I don't think any Christian should be afraid of truth, right? And Mm -hmm. we should be the ultimate pursuers of truth. And so just learning that and becoming comfortable with that um, has settled me into the reality of, like, hey, I'm comfortable in what I know, but I'm also comfortable in what I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then if there's something that I don't know that is concerning to me, I, I can go and pursue that knowing that somewhere um, an answer can be found for me.
0: Yep, definitely. And I- so, yeah. And what I found, too, is, like, when I – because it's it's scary to do that at first, right? Like, I mean, when I was young in my faith, when I was a kid, you know, I'd read stuff in Scripture and I'd think there was a contradiction, right? I remember one time reading about how uh, you know, Judas hung himself, and then there's that other passage that talks about how he he fell in a field and his his stomach was you know cut open, and and that's how he died. And I read that, and I thought you know as like a ten year old or whatever that I'd uncovered the the you know the the chink <laughs> in the in the chain of Christianity <laughs> and that I'd right. figured it out, and no one else has ever seen this you know uh, for two thousand years. And uh, I was really nervous about it, and so I called my grandpa who was a pastor, and I. I remember I was like shaking holding the phone and I told him what I found and he said these words. He said, oh, yeah, that's not a big deal. People have seen that for a long time. Here's here's how, how you interpret it. Here's how you see it. Here's what was going on. And I just remember the relief I felt right at finding the answers and knowing other people had seen it, too, and already thought through it. But the more you do that time after time. Um, when 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 a a puzzling passage comes up or some kind of, you know, seeming inconsistency, contradiction or whatever happens or an objection you've never heard before, uh, you don't panic right away you go, oh man, this is going to be fun to figure out because I'm, I'm just so confident that God's real and Jesus is the truth that I can go and I can see how this, this answer uh, is out there even if I don't know it yet. And it almost becomes kind of like a fun, uh, I don't want to say it's a game, but it's really fun to just watch God prove himself true over and over and over again.
1: Definitely, definitely, yeah. And I think that's something that we need to Particularly for me in youth ministry, I feel like it's something that needs to be um, constantly communicated that our, our churches are our spaces where these questions can be asked. And if anything, if we're smart leaders, we'll be proactively asking them and answering them as we preach the text, as we, you know, lead our small groups, as we lead our Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, you know, whatever nights that you're doing, the things that you're doing, you're proactively like proclaiming to the people there that this is a space where you can bring any question and we will find an answer to it together. And I think as a church, we haven't done a good job of that. And I think we can sometimes make it feel like church is a space where questions cannot be answered. And so people don't feel safe or comfortable coming. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important that that same methodology we're talking about right here, we like breed it into our you know congregations, we breed it into our small groups, we breed it into our youth services and those types of things. I think it's really helpful.
0: I'd agree. I, I, man, I'm trying to think about how to do it just in church, you know, in, in large church service, in adult service. I was uh, I was down in Tucson uh, last week for my um, my nephew's birthday, and I was talking with one of my sister and brother in law's uh, elders from the church. He was there and he was telling me how they got this guy who's going to come into their church and he's he's filling the pulpit for a month while they're looking for a new pastor. And um, this, this guy, he, he's a Hebrew professor. He's taught at Phoenix Seminary. He's taught all over. And uh, he, he told the guy, he said, listen, I'm really good with content, but I'm not very good at application when I preach. <laughs> and so he asked, he said, instead of me telling people how to apply this to their lives, how about I get up, I present content for you know a little while, and then we open it up for Q&A. And I thought, why don't we do that every sermon? I mean, if you want people to be engaged and you want people to come away thinking, oh man, yeah, Christianity makes sense for my life, you need to listen to the questions that they have. And so I'm trying to think through how can I do this, you know, uh, when I preach from the pulpit on Sundays, uh, how can we incorporate more time of question versus this idea, you know, where everything's a TED talk and it's a a stale lecture and nobody Mm -hmm. engages with it because they're just supposed to listen and then walk away. Um, and, you know, you get emails every once in a while, but if people can, can ask questions and engage with the sermon and the content, I just think that that would be so much more beneficial.
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that there's this idea, like I've, I've had these conversations myself and I've heard responses such as, well, we want to be careful who we let speak on the mic and those kinds of things. I think, you know, we get afraid that some unbeliever is going to come in and ruin the sanctity of what it means to be our service by you know, getting on the mic and dropping as many F-bombs as possible <laughs> or yeah. something. You know what I mean? We kind of have this delusion about the worst possible scenario happening in our church. And I think it's kind of just ludicrous. I think there are really safe ways that we can go about doing this. And then at the same time, does it need to be safe? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. once again, you know what I mean? Do we do we have to have this, you know, perfectly put together service that looks seamless Or, you know, can it have the touch of, you know, the human messiness that we really truly are? You know what I mean? And so I think, I think it's totally fine, man. Let people get up, let them ask questions, or maybe, you know, you take questions before the sermon or you have them text them in and then they're filtered through or whatever. I think there's plenty of ways to do it and appease people in the congregation and, you know, make sure that. Everybody feels good about what's happening, but then it becomes a great space for people who are not Christians to come in and actually explore, right? Yes. And actually realize, hey, oh man, I might actually get some questions answered here. Hey man, the pastor is approachable. Yes. You know, and so
0: I think too. Sometimes yeah, there's we should like, get that stuff. I think too that, that sometimes there's non-believers. I, I've met some some atheists even who think like like listen. I'm smarter than you, which could be very well true because I'm not that smart. Um but but they think, you know, I've got the truth here with atheism and I'm not mean and so I don't want to come into your church and um ruin your delusional f- fairy tale. And and they're not <laughs> they're not being a jerk about it either. They really mean it. Like I don't want to to harm you by by pop by bursting your bubble, right? Um but if we had if we had more of a format where questions were always welcome, they might even see, oh man, these people aren't afraid of living a delusion. You know, they're they're not afraid of of seeing that they're living a delusion. They're up for the challenge of asking tough questions and thinking through hard things and listening to opposing views. I think we'd even have more of the of the nice skeptic want to come to church. <laughs> you know, we'd attract more of the kind hearted yeah. atheist. I don't know. It's just it is interesting. No, I think so.
1: I think, I think there's another side to that. I think that our people would be more open to actually having conversations with people like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so because they're now being, it's being modeled to them how to have these conversations and they're hearing answers to questions and they're gaining confidence in the scriptures because they're realizing, Oh, there is an answer for that. And I've been thinking about that for years and no one's ever told me, and I've never had the courage to ask. I've kind of just swallowed it and let it be what it is, right? Mm-hmm. So, that, and and then what happens is they're like, man, I can't talk to my friends about this, man. I can't have a conversation with my neighbor about this. I can, you know, talk to that family member or that friend or that co-worker or whatever it is. And so then we have the church being the church and mm-hmm. like being a light throughout the week in the city because they've been taught how to have conversations, right? They've been taught not to just be spectators and come to a service on a Sunday morning and observe a bunch of people perform. And I'm not saying that, like, we shouldn't have sermons and I'm not saying we shouldn't have worship. But I think we do need to think through orthopraxy. We've actually now created something where they're engaging and they're being, like, actively discipled in the way of, like, you know, going out and having conversations with people, asking questions, Mm -hmm. answering their questions or saying, hey, I don't know the answer to this. Let me go figure this out, you know, and yeah. so yeah, I think it could be great
0: I agree with you, man. I think that that would be awesome. I've actually been kicking around the idea of here at the church doing like a like a quarterly uh like ask us anything night and like have it around a topic you know loosely like around sexuality or or the resurrection or you know having you got to have a little guidance, um, but then letting people text in questions, emailing questions, ask live questions, and just having an hour hour and a half where it's just about people asking questions and pastors speaking in when they can, but then also saying, man, I've never thought about that. That's a great question. I don't know. Let me look into it and let's let's study this together. You know, I think modeling that humility of we don't have to have all the answers, um, but we can go seek them out. I, I just think some event like that would be really beneficial for the church.
1: Agreed. I mean, if, if you if do, we
0: it. do it, you'll come, you'll be a part.
1: Yeah. I'll be yes.
0: there Yes, I've got you on I've got you recorded, man You can't get out of this now I've got As really-
1: long as there's a vanilla latte
0: <laughs> Yes I'll be there <laughs> There will be a good vanilla latte Not a subpar one But a very, very good There
1: one. Good.
0: Well, Jordan, thanks so much, yes, bro For being please. on the show today This was awesome Really love hearing your heart Really love hearing what you guys are doing with Real Talk I just think your ministry is awesome
1: Praise God, man I appreciate you, bro Thanks for always being there And answering my questions And spending time with me It's been awesome to have the relationship with
0: you, man. Yep, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. Be sure to be back next week as we uh, keep coming out with these podcasts and help equipping you uh, with truth. And that's that's our heart here. Uh, We want to be able to help Christians defend their faith, uh, be equipped to defend it, but also to be confident in their faith, knowing that you have the truth and that you can seek out truth. You can seek out answers and that God is big enough for all of your doubts and all of your questions. So thanks once again for being with us here today. We will catch you guys next week. You have been listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more information, visit our website at dscchurch.com.